Hello, welcome to Who To Be A Terrier. We've changed the name of the podcast. Uh, you may have noticed a big change. I'm sure it's all going to take uh, a lot of getting used to. Um, and, and, you know, I'm sorry for anyone who, who might be upset by the addition of the word terrier. Uh, you know, we, we're living in uncertain times and the last thing you need is more uncertainty. But everyone thought that was what the podcast was called anyway. So we might as well lean into it. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Hello, mate. It's good to be back. I'll, I'll bet you're at your standing desk. We've heard nothing but your standing desk. Mate, it's the future, I'm telling you. Fantastic. And we're also joined down the line today by Elliot Jackson, uh, my our colleague from Yorkshire Live. How are you doing, Elliot? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good to be on the pod and make my Huddersfield Town debut. Yeah, so many of you will have seen Elliot writing stuff for us on, on Yorkshire Live. Um, and, you know, he's, he's going to be continuing to do them over the season ahead. Um, whether I'm going to be starting the season or not, We'll, we'll have to wait and see. I've been, some of you may have noticed, I've not been uh, writing so much on the site recently. I've been seconded across to the Manchester Evening News for the time being, uh, but I'm I'm hoping to be back for the new season, but, uh, but yet to get sort of proper confirmation on that just yet. So you may be hearing Elliot a lot more throughout the season. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but enough about us. People want to hear about Huddersfield Town, don't they? And you know, we've not done a podcast since uh, shortly after the end of the season. Um, I think we talked through some of the signings that they had made or were, were about to make last time we were on the podcast. But you'll know that we've had seven signings uh, with the addition of Sinani from, from Norwich. Um, obviously not had a chance to see him in, in pre-season action, but Town got a lot of their business done early in the window. They've added a lot more depth, Dave. Um how do you rate their their business so far? Um, I think they've done pretty well. Like they've not added really top line quality. I think um, other than Pearson and Colwell, but what they have got is the, the a better level of cover. Um, there was we could go around in circles talking about the squad last year. I think it was better than a lot do, but that, those excuses have been removed now because um, you do have a level of cover that wasn't there before. I would argue it's a separate conversation, but I'd argue almost the squad is a bit heavy at the moment. Um, but I think Pearson is a is a quality signing, and I think him and Colwell are likely to be the two that starts. I think Ruffles and Turton look very very neat and tidy, and should stop them having to run Toff and Pippa into the ground, which is basically what happened last season. I think Lee Nichols has looked really good pre-season. Again, really neat and tidy, but what's very noticeable with Nichols is I, I've been working on Yorkshire Live as well, Steve, which you yeah. forgot to mention. Uh, and I did the scouting stuff on Nichols, and what is very evident with him is his distribution is, is just another level to Schofields, really. And I think that... That could be significant depending on certain games and, and what happens with Schofield. So I think it's been good. The only thing I would question is, do they have enough quality across the squad in creative areas? And I think that's probably a theme we'll come back to again and again as we talk. Yeah, I think what we're going to do, we'll, we'll go through position by position. And Elliot, you've you've covered a lot of the friendlies and, you know, you covered that, that Fleetwood game uh, on Tuesday evening and not a great uh, start for, for Ryan Schofield. He's, we know he's a really good shot stopper um, and I, I have maintained for a long time that I think there's a quality goalkeeper in there, but he's very young. I think there's times where he looks like he needs a bit of confidence um, and I think... Errors like the one he made against Fleetwood aren't going to help with that, are they? No, I, w I would echo pretty much what you've just said there. And you could see visibly that the defence in front of him weren't having a good game. And you could see that those nerves from the back line creep into his game. Um, the more that first half you know, continued and grew on. And you're right about the shot stopping. He pulled off a really good save at, at the score at 2-0 from a, a dangerous free kick on the G area, tipping it onto the post, which would have made that 3-0 and, you know, put the game absolutely to bed in what, in what was an absolutely dire first-half performance, I have to be fair and be honest. It, it was pretty poor. And for me, it was just, you know, there was a, quite a few players, although that is a second-string 11, there's a few players in there, like Nabi Sar, for example, like Schofield, like Rhodes, that 
you know, knocking on the door to try and make sure they are in contention for that first 11 spot. And to me, if anything, it just cemented that the players that are currently probably ahead of them in the pecking order, in our minds anyway, um, are rightfully so. I think I would agree with what David said about Lee Nichols. I think he, he just looks a more assured, a more calm presence in the defence. And I think that also then translates to, to the defence and how they, they respond and react to him. I think there is a goalkeeper there in Schofield, I would agree with you. And I think Nichols is probably a good stopgap where he's got the experience that will be able to compete with Schofield and he'll be able to share his experience without blocking that pathway through to the first team because you don't want to sign a, a proper, well, uh, another number one and then Schofield not be able to get any games and, and hinder his development. But equally, there needs to be that level of competition. I think having a more experienced body will definitely help. Um, and I, I would say it's advantage probably Lee Nichols for certainly for the for the Derby County match. Are you just saying that I think... you're an absolute dead ringer for Lee Nichols? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I mean, I've, not got, I've not quite got the... The hair's not quite as long, but I no, think I'll take that. You've got a similar style, I think. Um I think one point I've just made on the goalkeepers, and I, I wrote this in a piece that you look at you look at certain metrics, and Schofield was actually performing alongside the highest level keepers in the championship last season. His problem is the unquantifiables, really the the indecision, the getting bullied on crosses, etc. The stuff you can't see in the stats. But I wouldn't be surprised if Town almost ran with two number ones this season. Well, I, I think both that's going to be the plan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're both going to play plenty of football. And I I almost think looking at this pretty stark difference in their distribution, I think I'm not sure it's totally healthy goalkeeper-wise to go game to game, but I think you might see certain runs of games, particularly against tougher sides where you want to move the ball a, a bit quicker and counter. I think Nichols might get chosen for those games. I think Schofield probably has a higher upside in terms of potential. If you were, you know, signing them in in Master League uh, <laughs> on the old Pro Evo, you know, the, the the curve for Schofield would would probably be, you know, a, go a lot higher in the in the longer term. Whereas Nichols is probably at that plateau. But I think he is a, a safer pair of hands. He's in 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 some moments. I think he's going to be less prone to. Um, those kinds of mistakes we've seen on crosses that, that that Schofield has made before, and the brief the brief going into the summer was that Schofield was going to be the first choice, and it was sort of his to lose. But I do wonder, and you've made this point, Dave, that Nichols has started the majority of the preseason games. Mm. He's played more halves than Schofield, and it does make you wonder if if he might have changed. Corbrand's mind a little bit on that. He's, I, th- I think Nichols has played with what you would consider probably the the first choice defenders more as well, um, which I think is is one of the interesting things. And I think we all we're all Ryan Schofield fans to a point, and we all think uh, you know that one day he will be a decent goalkeeper. But what does Ryan Schofield no good, as was proved last season, is just being relentlessly played regardless of mistakes or performance. So the fact that there is some competition there now, and Nichols is 28 years old. He's not, you know, he's not an old experienced head himself. He wants to play. He wants to play football. That's that's the reason he didn't sign the extension at the MK Dunn. So I think the competition is a good thing. And I, I just, I think Schofield has got a lot to learn. And I think having somebody alongside him, pushing him, forcing him to learn that can only be a, a good thing. Because look, Viola, last season was, I mean, he wasn't even a stopgap, was he really? No, <laughs> so, not a minute. Yeah. So even I, on the bench half the time, they had Pereira on there instead. I, I would strongly suspect that Nichols probably starts against Wednesday regardless because I think they may look at it as in well he will be our cup keeper either way but I think if he does okay and has a good game it wouldn't surprise me if they just roll on with that for the first certainly for the first couple of games anyway looking forward to his two appearances then if he's going to be the cup keeper uh I haven't won a, a cup game is it 2017 something like that the last time they won a cup game anyway you mentioned sort of the centre-back pair in there, and this is something you and I, uh, we did uh, a, an episode of, we contributed to an episode of Handy Takes That Chance, the fan podcast, which I'd urge you to check out, not just us on there, plenty of other interesting figures as well, talking about town season. But um, we, you and I had a bit of disagreement about who the first-year centre-back pairing was going to be, mm-hmm. and I think we've kind of ended up with with one of each, Dave. You you were advocating, pushing for sort of, 
Pearson and Saar, and I was saying Ramani Edmonds Green and um and Colwell, but I think probably both of us now would say actually probably Pearson, Pearson Colwell. and Colwell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I think the um I think Pearson was always signed to play first team. I mean he's so vocal. You must have heard him, Elliot, at friendlies like Yeah, I would I would definitely say Pearson's asserted to start personally in that right centre back role and not just because obviously Evans Green's been out with self isolation period. I, I I think he's number one choice of, of all the centre-backs personally and then it's who do you partner him with and obviously we know that Corbrand likes a right footer and a left footer so you're looking at Sarvi Colwell uh, and based on Tuesday night's performance at, at the least Colwell's definitely the man that has that shirt at the minute because um, Naby Saab dropped a little bit of a disaster class in all truth it, it wasn't his best performance <laughs> to say the least yeah but he's 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 very inconsistent we know that Star on his day can be excellent but mm. he's I mean we say this about players a lot and it's like it's often hyperbole to say it but I think Saar definitely actually genuinely is one of those players who's either an eight or a three or a four like there's yeah. there's no in between well he got a four from me last night so that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's in keeping there you go and and I think Cole will obviously you know he's come from Chelsea I can't imagine they would have sent him out not to play but I mean this is something we should probably kick off here with Dave is we, we've sort of come into this season assuming it's going to be 4-3-3 and that's what we've seen mm. from most of the friendlies but when you look at the squad, there is a case to be made that three-five-two might be a better option for Town, and I think the defence sort of bears that out because Edmonds, Green, Pearson, and Colwell looks like it'd be a decent back three, actually. Yeah, it it does. It was something we looked at a, a couple of weeks ago, and we were looking at how the squad was being positioned. And the thing about playing a three at the back is that last season Town, play, Town played a very restrictive three at the back that was very tight, and the idea was to control the space and just they were literally just trying to claw themselves over the line. But a three at the back doesn't have to be; it can be fairly progressive and. I think if you look at the way, certainly Carlos Corbrand likes to play with somebody in a 10 role who isn't actually a 10, a 3-5-2 might be something they look at, particularly with the way they're, they're shaping things. And 3-5-2 is quite easy to change in game as well if you need to, if you need something else, if something's gone wrong. And that is a decent three at the back, I would say, Pearson, Green and uh, Colwell. And also... My other lukewarm take <laughs> is that I strongly suspect Corbyn from from looking at preseason friendlies and looking at Colwell and the type of player he is. I strongly suspect they want to do the the. I'm going to call it the England thing, but lots and lots of teams have done Sheffield it. I'm only United saying, thing. yeah, I, I'm only saying that purely because of the Euros just gone. But if you looked at Stones and Maguire, basically they were the first points of creation in the team, so they were both licensed with the defensive midfielders in front of them to step out of defence, to play the play the ball early. And if they lost the ball, so be it. But the, the, the idea was to try and get the counter going early. And I strongly suspect when you look at Colwell and you look at the profile of playing, you look what Chelsea have been trying to do with him as well, which is uh, put him into that sort of mould. I think it would be a three at the back with Colwell potentially tasked with with stepping out a yeah. little bit. May well be quite a decent thing to have in your locker next season. Yeah, and obviously we've got the. I don't think we've got any doubts about the the two first choice fullbacks. You know, Pippa and Toffolo up there with with some of the best in the division in those positions, and you'd expect them to start. But it's positive that they've got Turton and Ruffles as as the backup, Elliot. Um, and that's four players there who are just as capable of, of playing at wing back. We know that they Turton maybe less so, but we know that that certainly the other three are all their strengths are, are lie, lie in, in going forward. Yeah, I would say of the four fullbacks, Turton's probably the most defensive minded um of those four. I would agree with that. It, it was interesting obviously Pippa making his first appearance of preseason last night. I thought he looked good on the ball when he got possession, some nice touches, some nice bursts, but thought defensively and positionally at times he looked a little bit ring rusty. And I wrote last night and I would stand by that. I would be a little bit surprised if Pippa was to start still at Pride Park, despite the fact I would still say he's obviously number one choice at right back. But just looking
looking at that match sharpness and you know how little he's been involved in preseason, I did wonder whether, given how well Turton's performed, whether he'll still have that shirt by the time we go to Derby, just purely from a match fitness thing as much as anything. I like what I've seen from Ruffles. Uh, I think, obviously, a big problem for town last season was was when Toffolo got injured for such a long period of time and trying to find that natural slot. Well, they didn't have a natural slot to go in at left-back, so they tried numerous other options. Pippa played on the left-hand side at times as well. And I think having Ruffles there is, is definitely going to push Toffolo. Toffolo is obviously one of town's best players. He's, he's part of the core captaincy group he's going to play. But equally, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him. He, he was probably town's one of him and Silver Thomas were probably the best outfield duo of those that um, started the match and played the first hour last night. So he, he certainly loves to get forward. I, th- I think Ruff- Ruffles will probably pop up with a few goals and I think we could see him play sort of on a left midfield role as much as at left back, whereas obviously you'd expect Toffolo to be just at left back. But I think we might see Ruffles used down that left-hand side, more generally speaking. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see them two play together. And it'll be interesting to see how the, the Turton-Pippa uh, dynamic works out, just given the head start that Turton's got in terms of match preparation and that uh, that preseason fitness. Yeah, you would. I mean, I would, I would be surprised if Pippa started at, at Sheffield Wednesday uh, on Sunday, for instance. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. It's difficult to say because obviously we've not, we've not known where he's up to. We've not really had a chance to speak to Carlos Corbran and perhaps by the time you're hearing this... Um, you know, if you listen to this on sort of Friday, Friday evening or Saturday, we'll we'll probably know a bit more because we'll have had a chance to speak to Carlos Corbran and he tends to be quite open about player fitness and injuries. There have been times when he's almost just told us the first eleven. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think at, at fullback, it's it's we know what the first choice can do, and it's really positive that they've got those those backups in. Um, Central midfield, though, I think is. An interesting position. Obviously, Hogg is the the reigning player of the year. Lewis O'Brien was player of the year the year before that, and was uh, I thought second half of last season was head and shoulders Town's best player in in the you know the lion's share of games after having a fairly by his own standards quiet first half of the season. Um, but it's a big question mark there, Dave, isn't it? Because we don't know what's happening with Bakuna. We've seen Brahima Diara start to come through, but he's he's obviously he's, he's only very young. Reese Brown is is back in the squad, having been sort of exiled for the, the previous 18 months. Um, Scott High, we've seen playing there, and I thought he was excellent against Norwich. Um, but again, he's a young player without a huge amount of championship experience. And then you've got Dwayne Holmes, who has spent most of this preseason playing on the wing. I think we've... <laughs> You and I bemoaned a lot last season, Dave, that that Holmes wasn't played in his best position in in central midfield, and that's continued this summer. And I think they've certainly they've got options in the middle there, um, but it does feel like they're still crying out for that quality player, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And the morning after the transfer window shuts, is Lewis O'Brien still going to be here? We, I think that is an unquantifiable as well because. We don't know anything other than what we've been able to publish, which there was some interest in in earlier in the transfer window. It's a very funny market this time, and I have a feeling when it gets towards the end, it could get pretty busy. If I'm brutally honest with you, and I, it's that is that is a huge question mark hanging over at the moment because if you take Lewis O'Brien, uh, Lewis O'Brien out of those options, suddenly that looks well down on quality well down on quality particularly if you are looking at homes to potentially play on the right or play higher up the pitch so I like Scott High a lot I think um, he is he's gone from sort of a cameo player to one who is clearly in the shake-up to be in the match day squad Um, I'm not sure he is 25 games this season first team ready but he he looks a decent prospect it's it's difficult. I I would like in an ideal world. I think they need to go and recruit a proper creative central midfielder to to put into that mix. Yeah. The problem is the transfer market is such that, as I said, we don't know if O'Brien is going to get. They're going to get an offer for O'Brien. They can't refuse. We know Juninho Bakuna is for sale, and uh, we, uh, as far as we know, there hasn't been an awful lot of interest as is. There's a lot of if buts and maybe's, but it's it's slightly it's a slightly worrying position for me at the moment. Alex Vallejo is perhaps the most gifted footballer at the, at the club, but he can't play 46 games next season, and against certain teams, his lack of pace is a is a big issue. 
So I, I think it's a place that if you were to ask me where if they could sign one more player, what should it be? It would be a central midfielder, um, regardless of whether they keep Bakuna, O'Brien and everybody else. So, yeah, I'm not sure it's quite good enough yet. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of decent but unspectacular players there, I think it's it's fair to say. Um, it's uh... They need a carry lighting. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, they yeah. need a Carol Lighton and Aaron Moy. It's in the final third that they're struggling. They need someone with that X factor. And I think that maybe longer term, they've probably got hopes that that, that will be Diara. I think we've already mm-hmm. seen from his his you know preseason appearances and what we've seen for the B team that he loves to take people on. He's he's a creative player, he's a flair player. Um and and he's a very exciting prospect, but he is completely unproven and and they shouldn't be putting all of their their eggs in in that particular basket, uh, I would argue. Um, I get the sense with O'Brien on the transfer front. Obviously, we've not seen any sort of major sales yet. There was interesting paper all earlier in the window that that seems to have gone away now from from Sporting. Um, and I get the sense with O'Brien from speaking to a couple of other journalists covering clubs that cover that that have we you know that have been linked with O'Brien that. He's maybe their sort of second or third choice signing, yeah. but he's nobody's first choice signing. And I think that probably for the money town want, realistically, it's only going to be a Premier League club or a newly relegated team that's going to be able to afford him. Um, so, I I mean, <laughs> I could end up looking silly here if, by the, you know, if, if the bid comes in for him five minutes after we come off mic. But I feel like... If O'Brien is going to go, it's not going to happen until quite late in the window. Mm. You know, similar to Aaron Moy a couple of years ago. And, and that, that my issue with that is not if Town Huddersfield Town can't afford the right money for anyone in that squad. Does it doesn't matter who it is? If they get the right money, they have to take it. That's the position they're in. But with Lewis O'Brien, he is irreplaceable. And I think if they get a level of money, they've genuinely got to probably try and sign two players yeah. to replace him, not just mm-hmm. one. And if that offer comes in at six o'clock on the last day of the transfer window, you need to have all your ducks in a row very, very quickly <laughs> to be able to to do that. So who knows, really? What's your take on the midfield, Elliot? I think that I would absolutely say they are missing a Carol Lighting. They are they are missing that you know number ten that can play as a second eight um, with a more creative. Um, responsibilities. I, I personally, of the people available, I would just echo you. So I think Dwayne Holmes should be playing in that role. I, I think when I've seen him, I covered Derby County quite a lot while I was at university there. And every time I saw Dwayne Holmes, his best performances were in central midfield. And I think the balance there would be nice with Hogg sat in the, in the six with O'Brien down the left channel and um, Dwayne Holmes down the right. And also that also factors in how good Sober Thomas has been as we'll come onto the wingers later down that right-hand side. So for me, if I was picking, I, I would move Holmes inside one uh, and play that as my midfield three. But I agree with you guys that that is the position as well as potentially a striker that they need better quality in um, to unlock those doors. But then again, if they signed a striker, what's the point if they're not going to get the service or, or the, the quality to get them those chances to, to score the goal? So I, w- I would probably agree with David saying if you could sign one position, it would be an attacking midfielder and then a striker because, as I say, you can if you're not creating anything, you can have Robin Van Persie up front and it's not really going to make a big difference. So, yeah, I think if you lost O'Brien, it, it would look an average bunch um, a little bit, definitely. Hogg's solid, obviously, and he's a really good performer, but he's you, you can't have 11 Jonathan Hogg's in your team mm. to win football matches as good as he is, as important as he is to this team. So I think, you know, there's got to be a cut-off point probably for town where they say, look, we can't really afford to sell him because like David says, if, if it comes to six o'clock on September the 1st and he goes, that's, he's literally irreplaceable. They haven't got enough time to then do it. So I don't know if you set a deadline. You've obviously got the the added complication of the fact of, well, if we don't sell him this window, do we risk losing him for free in the summer because he's out of contract, which I would suggest they, they, they might well do. It's it's, it's an absolute minefield for him. Yeah, it's a really difficult one, that, because, I mean, I, I think we all know the level of money that Town want for him, but they also can't afford to lose him, <laughs> like you say, potentially on a free. I think they've got the one-year extension. Yeah, they've got the one-year extension, but even with the one-year extension, a the, the problem with the one-year extension, I know Town really like doing that contract, is 
a that's not always to the player's liking, um, and mm-hmm. b you can you can just be in exactly the same position, Steve. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. We've seen it with and, Benjamin Bakuna this summer. I yeah, think, I think almost it tried because I think I think clubs would see a one you know one year left plus a one year extension basically as they could argue in their negotiations. Well, this is basically a two year contract. Yeah, but when you've already done the extension, <laughs> it, it takes it takes that off. And also, it's the club's option to extend, and you know, not every player is mm. happy having their future decided by by someone else. So, yeah, it it is a difficult. Like like Elliot said, it's a minefield that one. To be honest, I think Sinani is an interesting one. He has played in that. I think he's mostly played out on the wings, but he has played anywhere across that um, sort of that three in a four two three one, which obviously is not a formation town have played very much, but does suggest he has that ability to play, you know, through the middle, play as that number ten. Is, mm. is he an option potentially? I have been told that he is. I think it would be fair to say he has been signed as an attacking midfielder, creative midfielder. Um, there was a lot of when the links first emerged. There was a lot of oh, he's a striker, he's going to be a striker, or he's definitely going to be a right winger. And I've been told, no, he's he's going to be an attacking midfielder of a sort. And again, coming back to Corbran specifically, me and you both think 4-2-3-1 could be an option this season, Steve. And if so, they want a 10. So could he play as a 10 there? But we also know that Carlos Corbran in a 4-3-3 or a 3-5-2, potentially, he likes to play with a false 10. So he likes Pippa to do that role. He's had Sorba Thomas do it on occasions this pre-season. There's been other... Lewis O'Brien has done it a couple of times, playing far higher than a, a normal midfield position in a 4-3-3. So is it. he looking to, to do something like that, potentially? Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one because he went out to the Belgium League last season and he played in the team that got relegated. But by all accounts, all the digging you can do, he actually played pretty well. You know, he was he was pretty good. And I think the championship is. Uh, we've talked about it being a bit of a bear pit of a league. It could go either way. That one. I think that's one of those signings where you just don't believe anybody who definitely tells you it's brilliant or definitely tells you it's a disaster because you just just don't know. Yeah. And Reese Brown, we've mentioned as well. He's back in the fold. He's definitely an option to play in that in that ten role. We saw him a bit uh, under Jan Siva in pre-season. There was, I think, it was the the Doncaster game. Uh, he actually did really well. Um, and I think uh, Rochdale as well. I think he played in. Uh, it's two years mm-hmm. ago. I'm sorry if I've got those wrong. Um, but I think people sort of saw him initially and thought, oh, there might be a bit of a, you know, he can thread a pass. There might be a bit of talent there. But it was obvious that um, he wasn't quite ready for the championship at the time. He'd been playing in League Two, spent the last 18 months playing for Peterborough in League One and doing, I don't think he's been pulling up trees. Uh, they decided not to sign him permanently because they they said they thought they could do better, which is a little bit worrying uh, for, for if you're a town fan, to be perfectly honest. Um, but, you know, that's just your opinion, man. Um, they He is an interesting one, Elliot. He's, he emerged as a teenager at Birmingham and looked like he was going to be, you know, a talent for them for years to come. Went off the, the rails a little bit by his own admission, you know, was turning up late to training and so on. What what have you made to him this summer? Um, well, I've seen him a couple of times. I thought against Harrogate, he was okay. He, 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 he was better than last night, that's for sure. Um, he just doesn't quite grasp the game by the, the scruff of the neck. And that, obviously, when you're playing in those advanced midfield areas, that is a lot dependent on how much ball you have, how much possession, what sort of game state you're in, how much your teammates can find you in those pockets of space. So it's not all down to him. But equally, I could see in the Harrogate game, particularly he kept dropping deeper and deeper and deeper, coming to try and get the ball again in the game. And it just, it just wasn't quite working. I, I just, I don't know why, but it just doesn't seem to quite have clicked. Um, it was the same last night. Obviously, last night slightly different. He was playing, you know, with Osterfield and, and Diara. So it was a much more youthful experience, less control than Hogg or O'Brien would give them. But, you know, there was there was little moments where he threaded a couple of nice passes and you think, but it then doesn't follow it up. It's another 10 minutes before you see another of those nice touches rather than someone like O'Brien who's consistently in the game. You, you could never imagine him running a match for 90 minutes, put, put it that way. He might, he might get you a flash of brilliance that can win you a game or get an equaliser, but 
he's not a 90 minute man from what I've seen and you know even at Peterborough his, his numbers that he's just not quite clinical enough with his numbers in terms of assists and goals in those advanced areas you know I think he got four assists last season which for an advanced midfielder who played over 25 times for Peterborough it's like you say at league one level it's not pulling up too many trees so put that into a championship side for a team that's not going to create a bulk of chances from what we've seen in pre-season and what we know about this town squad and makeup generally speaking I think that I, I, you would still want to improve on him as a squad option in terms of a starter. Yeah, agreed. Well, you mentioned the strikers, so I'll skip the wingers because we'll, we'll get to them in a minute and we'll talk about the strikers. Um, I think when I when I watched that Norwich game and, and I was watching on YouTube um, rather than, than from Norwich, so I think sometimes it can be difficult to judge strikers when you're not in the ground um, because you, you don't see an awful lot of the work that they're doing off the ball when the you know when the camera isn't on them but i mean however you slice it they didn't create enough chances for the strikers yet again it's it's a complaint that we've had since Corbrand came in pretty much um that they've they've signed in strikers that were there to be pure finishers you know you look at the pro, you know the signed roads the signed ward and i think both of them have big question marks over them but if you would say anything for the for the two of them it would be, well, they know how to put the ball in the net, but they're just not creating enough chances for those players. And obviously Fraser Campbell, we've not really seen in pre-season. He, he had a, he was all right last year, but again, he only, you know, he only got eight goals. Um, you know, he wasn't, um, he, you know, he played pretty much the whole season, didn't get into to double figures. Uh, and when you look at his XG stats, he didn't underperform that much. It was the chance creation for him rather than, than his finishing. That was the, the issue. You said, Elliot, you think they should look to sign another striker. I think that'll be music to, to the fans' ears. Um, I don't think it's likely to happen, unfortunately. No, it's the hardest area to improve on the pitch. It's the one that costs the most money. It's the one where clubs are most reluctant to sell their star assets. But I just worry where the goals are going to come from with this squad. Um, Josh Carome is going to have a heavy burden on his shoulders again this season, I fear, because I've seen a lot of Jordan Rhodes in the last few years and he just doesn't offer anything other than putting the ball in the back of the net. So if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, you are not gain a lot from him. He's not someone that can run the channels, particularly he's not quick, doesn't hold the ball up brilliantly. You know, I think we've seen, when we think of Jordan Rhodes of all at his best at, at Blackburn, for example, it was feeding off Rudy Gestead and sticking the ball in the net. And if Town play with a sole striker in a 4-3-3, then he's going to have to be that target man if he plays and he's just not suited to it. He doesn't have the skill set. Danny Ward's a player I, I quite liked. I saw him a fair bit at Rotherham and obviously was more of a super sub at Cardiff. He just looks really ring rusty. He's not played enough football. He's been injured. And I don't know how he gets those minutes under his belt because he looks a long way off at the minute for me um, in the two games that I've covered in pre-season. And that, that's no fault of his. But ultimately, how do you get him back up to that level without, when you're chucking him, unless you're going to chuck him straight into a championship game, which he's not ready for at the minute, I would argue. Um, I think he's probably the most likely of the, the three to get you enough goals, but it's getting him and keeping him it's fit because it, he's, yeah. he's made of, you know, he's been made of glass in these last few years, which which must be really difficult for him. But equally, if Town wants someone they can rely on, I just don't, I think they're going to the season with three strikers that none of them have got any form whatsoever. And it's quite a daunting prospect to go into a season with, especially when, generally speaking, the strikers, they don't score a bulk of goals anyway. So I think Josh Crome is going to have a heavy weight on his shoulders again, and, and that would be my main concern. But as I said, if you've not got someone creating the chances for him with a midfielder, it doesn't matter who you've got up front, really. Yeah, I, th I mean, the, you're right. I mean, when he was at town as well, Jordan Rhodes, you know, they often had um, sort of, you know, Alan Lee would be up there with him, for instance. or Big Lee or Novak. Yeah, exactly. Or who, you know, he had various partners. And I think we have generally seen that Rhodes has done his best work in a two where he's got someone alongside him to sort of just, you know, pull pull defenders away and, and create space for him. But again, it's another argument for 3-5-2, Dave. Yeah, it, it is. The thing about Rhodes in his pomp, as you've just said, is he he needs to be fed. And he's not in his pomp anymore. He has lost a yard of pace. And my concern is that I think you've got three strikers here and they're very, very different strikers. You know, Rhodes, as we've said, is not a he's not a worker in the traditional sense in that he, he wants it, he wants to get loads of chances laid on for him. And he will if you do that, he will score. He's very clinical. I mean, you look at his numbers last season and even compared to the amount of minutes he played on the pitch, his record was actually very good. 
but you've got to give him those chances. And what Town have been playing with is Fraser Campbell, who does an excellent job pressing, but he's basically a striker who plays as a central defender because his main role over the last couple of seasons has been just to press and push out push out wide, close fullbacks down, even dropping into midfield at times, trying to win the ball. And then you've got Danny Ward, who is different again and who tends to want to drift right a little bit. It's that you've got three strikers who are so wildly different. You do wonder which one is is the right one to play with. Karoma, who is immovable on the left and isn't going to feed anyone because what you want Karoma doing is coming inside. He's, he's an inverted forward. And then on the right-hand side, we'll get to the wingers, but you've got Sorba Thomas, who is a proper winger, and and can feed people. But apart from that, all the other options, including potentially Sonani if he plays there, as he has played on the right before, are all inverted wingers. So if you play with two inverted wingers, Rhodes can't do a pressing job and he's not going to get fed. So all that's going to happen is he's going to get a load of abuse from fans because he's not scoring, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is is where this where this leads. So I think it's 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 they've got to get this balance right. They've got to give leave Karoma to do what Karoma does. Don't touch him. They've got to get the striker that gives them the best mix in the middle of opening up a little bit of space for Karoma and also doing the the press that Corbin likes. And then on the right, they've got the best sort. They need to find the best sort of player to, to play for whichever striker they go with in the middle. So if they go with Danny Ward, they need somebody on that right-hand side who doesn't mind if Danny Ward just drifts into that space and is also intelligent enough to come inside a little bit. Um, you know, the when thing they seem just go- on the 3-5-2 as well, what you, you were saying is even if they go 3-5-2, Karoma's going to be one of the two. So you're mm. never going to get the best from Rhodes because you're not going to take no. Karoma out of the team. And if they go 3-5-2, no. he's obviously going to be one of the front too so I, I don't know how you get the best from Jordan Rhodes because unless Karoma's injured there's not going to be much opportunity to play with a two-man a traditional two-man force I think uh, Ward and Karoma would be your two I think wouldn't they I think that's yeah. I think that's the two you'd go for which uh, the other thing about Jordan Rhodes is like uh, trying to say it in the politest possible way but we saw what happened last season with players in double training sessions and murderable sessions etc Jordan Rhodes' body has got to be able to withstand a, a, a sort of fairly advanced level of training and they need to manage him properly because Danny Ward, we know, like you said, unfortunately was made of glass and he had a terrible season, so we need more from him. But what Town can't afford to do is Karoma to break, Ward to break, Rhodes to break. <laughs> so, the good thing about Rhodes is he's, he was, generally speaking, quite injury-free at Sheffield Wednesday. The problem is whether he, he'll carry that intensity still. It's, it's one thing to be available, <laughs> but whether you're going to be 100% at it is a completely different matter entirely. I mean, where, where did it? You, you'll have seen him a lot more than than us, Elliot. Where where did things go wrong for Jordan Rhodes at Sheffield Wednesday? Because it, you know, you look at his numbers and his his career was on. You know, he was racking up incredible numbers until he joined Wednesday, and then you know he's he's barely scored since. What was it? Just the. I mean, we've always said on this podcast, Alex Pritchard is a good player who just made the wrong move. Is that the case for Rhodes, or has he lost something from his game? Because obviously, last time he was at Town, he was absolutely banging him in. So, what what's happened? Um, I think, in honesty, I don't think he's a very good player anymore. That 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 is the the bottom line of it. But obviously, there's more to that. Obviously, Wednesday, I've had a bit of a nightmare since Rhodes came in. Generally speaking, as a club, from switching from manager to manager, uh, and the general plight of the club from being a team that finished fourth in the Championship to now in League one within four years so you know he's not had stability around him he had a year away on loan at Norwich but the problem for me is Wednesday just didn't there's so many arguments that Wednesday oh you need to play to his strengths you need to build the team around him you need to get wingers that are going to play on the right side not play inverted wingers they have Ross Wallace at the time Adam Reach, Bannon often played sort of on that left hand side in the early years but even when he played, he just he just didn't do enough. He just he just he doesn't offer anything other than if he's scoring goals. And when Wednesday, given the array of talent Wednesday got, he just didn't do enough to justify his place. They they got Stephen Fletcher at the time, Gary Hooper, Forestieri, Lucas Yao, um, Atty Newhew as well. And realistically, his best partner was going to be Atty Newhew, but neither they, they they just didn't do enough either of them to to be that number one pairing. And when there was such an array of options, and especially with Stephen Fletcher because he's such a great line leader, and and then he mm-hmm. had a bit of a a purple patch in terms of scoring goals 
you know, for so many different managers to not fancy him as well. And, and when we say not fancy him, it wasn't just he wasn't number one choice. He was often fourth or fifth choice, especially under Gary Monk. Gary Monk just did not rate him at all. He had Sam Winnell ahead of him in the pecking order who he eventually discarded as well. So he's, he's just he's just lost probably a little yard of pace, lost a lot of confidence. And I don't think his skill set ever was particularly evolved outside of scoring goals. And, and you know, it's so easy to look past those things when someone's sticking 30 goals in the back of the net a season. Yeah. But outside of his game, it, I don't think he I don't think he was ever someone that was going to come and link play particularly well or hold the ball up or win headers. But you forget about those things as, as fickle football fans, which we all are, um, when someone's putting the ball in the back of the net. So I think he's lost a, a yard of pace and a lot of confidence. But, but mainly it's just... The game's the moved on without him, hasn't it, I think? Yeah. He, he likes him, Billy Sharp, that those old marksmen, David Nugent sort of players that you almost felt you could throw them in any championship team in sort of the mid 2010s to, to 2020 and they'd score you 20 goals guaranteed. I, I feel like we're running out of those players now in the championship. I think you know, the other thing is in a 4-3-3, a centre-forward isn't a centre-forward. They have no. to be uh, They have to be a little bit of a master of, of all things, really, because there's going to be times... Because you'll always have one winger who's an inverted forward. So there's times where basically they've got to play as a 10, which I don't think Rhodes can really do. There's times where they have to press and harry, which I don't think Rhodes can do. I think there is a way that Town can set up and play where they can get the best of him. And I do think, I'm not as down on the signing as a lot of Town fans are. But yeah, I mean, even in his pump, you know, the 40-goal season, he offered you nothing outside the penalty area. But what Town did was just completely set the team up around him just to feed him and just to try and create every chance they possibly could. If they can find ways to do that, again, he will score. He is clinical. (laughs) There is no denying he is clinical. But particularly in a Carlos Corberan team, from what we're told, because I don't think we ever saw the ideal version of it last season at any point, but from what we're told we want, it it doesn't feel like Rhodes is your ideal striker for that at all. It feels like Danny Ward could be if he can stay fit and get to top form. But Rhodes, (sighs) he feels like a reasonable option off the bench in a game where you're just going to try and load the box up because you need to try and get something off it. He doesn't feel like starting striker in a 4-3-3 anymore. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm always a big fan of not judging new signings until we've seen, you know, seen them play mm. properly and I'm not including pre-season in that. But I think he's got a lot of... Um, a lot of sort of doubts to overcome Jordan Rhodes and I'm sure he's feeling that himself and you know obviously we we, we hope he does well um you know by all accounts he's a he's a lovely lad as well and yeah um, he he's obviously he's had a, a, a tough time over the past few years um at Wednesday with his form and you know they this is I mean we're nicking a, an observation from Matt from takes that chance here but he's I think he's he's barely played sort of five games in a row over the over the past few years since he's been at Wednesday and Maybe he does just need that bit of a run and a, a bit of confidence, as, as Elliot's alluded to. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But he's got... If he doesn't score within his first five games, you start to fear for him, yeah. really. Because you start to fear that it's just going to be more of the same. But just on, on Danny Ward, I thought it was quite interesting that, talking to a couple of people, he's come back to the club this summer with the lowest body fat percentage of anyone at the club. He's been he's done extra training and he came back early. I, I do wonder if there's a point to prove there for Danny Ward, you know. He was he was very, very self critical at the end of last season. I mean you did a presser with him, Steve, and he said it was a horrible Night- season. Yeah, Night- nightmare, nightmare is the term he used, yeah. I do wonder if he's slightly got the bit between his teeth and and wants to prove something this year. So the the option, you know, the option may be there really. I think do we all think Rhodes starts against Derby? I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think so, because Danny Ward was just so ring rusty as I, I think Danny Ward's got the highest ceiling of the three of them. So I, I would mm. love to see a, a fit and fire in Danny Ward. I, I think he could I think he could get you double figures to fifteen goals. I do. Mm. But he, he still looks really ring rusty and obviously Fraser Campbell's only just back in training. So I, I think by default, um Jordan Rhodes will, will start as the number nine. I think yeah. I don't disagree with that, but I think you give Rhodes an hour, and if yeah. he, <laughs> I think then you you need to get Ward up to speed as quickly as as humanly the cup, possible. The cup game would be a good opportunity to potentially give him, even if it's only forty five minutes from the start, Danny Ward. If you are looking further into the season, mm. that you want him to to be perhaps your first choice you striker. I think they've got to find a way. <laughs> 
to make sure Ward starts either the Fulham home game or the Sheffield United away game because they're two defences that you look at Jordan Rhodes and think it's not going to happen. <laughs> he, he got bullied, to be honest, quite a lot last night by the back three. And you think going to Sheffield United with the way they're going to sell up in a back three, I just I just don't think he, he moves the defenders around enough to get the space. No, and with yeah. an extra man marking him, he, he's just going to struggle even more. Coming on to the wingers, Josh Cromer, I think obviously, you know, Dave, you did your power rankings, putting all the players in order of where you think they stand in uh, uh, Carlos Corbrand's estimations. And I think everyone would have put Cromer at number one on that list. That that was a, an absolute tap-in. Um, mm. His goals going for him last year, he played, what was it, 20 games and scored nine. Um, so, you know, if he play, if he's fit over the whole season or close to it, you, you'd expect him to be pushing sort of 20 goals. But it might not be as simple as that. You know, it's defences are going to be... We saw it with, a bit with Carl and Grant uh, season before last. Defences yeah. get wise to it. Secrets they can't, out. They double, yeah, exactly. Secrets out. They double up. It's going to get harder for him, isn't it? It is. But I think, I think you've got to look at a young man who he did very, very well at Orient um, and, and sort of reached a level. Then he moved to town... And he struggled a little bit with a step up, but took a move somewhere else where he didn't play much, but he got a little bit of football in his legs. He came back very, very different after that preseason. Very, very focused, I would say. Uh, played completely differently, set off in a completely different vein of form, got an injury and then managed to come back without missing a beat. I, I, I think... Everything points towards that young young man being an incredibly versatile and adaptable player. And I think, I don't want to go back to Rhodes, but you look at Karoma and you think, well, he's everything Rhodes isn't at the moment in that he can bully defenders back. He can run the channels. He can come inside. He's happier. Well, I'd argue he's happier taking a shot from 20, 25 yards than he is mm. from 18, to be honest yeah, with you. He's absolutely lethal. Absolutely lethal against that from that range. So there is a lot on his shoulders, but my my concern with Karoma actually is not form and whether he'll be all right over the season. It's just it's it's the same thing as last season. You just he needs some quality cover so that you don't blow him up by having to play having to have him play every single minute of every game. And I, the the problem is there's nobody in the squad. <laughs> who can sit on the bench and do what he does. Well, Sorba Thomas, but if he's playing on the right-hand side, he's, yeah. Yeah, and I think we, I think Sorba Thomas is a separate discussion because I think we've all, we all want to talk about Sorba Thomas after pre-season, but I think Sorba Thomas is a winger. He's not an inverted forward for me. He's a winger. And I, there's nobody, a little bit like the O'Brien thing, there's nobody who can do what Karoma does. So... We've just got to cross our fingers that he does it for as long as possible and doesn't doesn't blow up again. Yeah, I mean they've they've got a lot of options out on the wing, and this is a point that we've sort of made repeatedly. But I think Karoma's probably the only one who you look at and go, yeah, he's sort of you know he's he's a star for this team. The rest of them, and we'll we'll come on to Thomas in a moment, uh, as you say. But you know you got Aaron Rowe who had some promising appearances last year, but he's still very raw. He's still very young. Um, you've got. Um, Isaac and Benza is still at the club. How much he's going to be? I mean, you, you would think that if he's you know still there come the end of the transfer window, then he'll be playing. But we've not seen him in preseason. Um, so whether they're going to you know get much out of him, I don't know. He had good runs last year. Also had runs of games where he offered very little. Um, Dwayne Holmes has played there out there a lot. You know, we, we've got a lot of, but he's again, we've said that we think that he's he's better in central midfield. We've got a lot of options there, but none of them, there's sort of a, a, a but after all of them. So, who would you be playing on the right wing, Elliot? Sober Thomas, quite simply put, after what I've seen in pre season and the fact, well, it depends. I would have Dwayne Holmes in central midfield, so therefore I'd have Sober Thomas. It's, it becomes a more difficult conversation if you say, right, you can't put Dwayne Holmes in midfield, because I do like Dwayne Holmes as well. But they're completely different players. Holmes is at his best where he comes off the right-hand side into central areas to drive in more of those number 10 areas, whereas Thomas is going to give you more natural width. And, you know, I interviewed him after the match last night as well. And although it's obviously more important about what he does on the field, you, you just feel the confidence and the, the vein of form he's in at the minute and how he's impressed in pre-season that you think, you know, he could, he could, could have lift off here a little bit and, and really take off. He's had six months to adapt to the championship regime uh, and playing off the bench week in, week out, working under Corbran in his first pre-season as well. And I just feel like 
because there's no real standout on that right hand side, just give it give it to the man in form. And he is he's the mm. person that is the most in form at the minute. He's earned the shirt. And for me, he should be starting in that position. Um, but I don't think he will. I think Dwayne Holmes will play there. Yeah, I, th- I think it doesn't. Uh, it's not great, Dave, that when I listed off those wingers, I've had to to go on to transfer mark to remember. I knew there were a couple that were missing: Rolando Aaron, Rolando Aaron, and, and, and Danny Grant, because you know they're both yeah. coming to the club in January and and had basically, you know, obviously we've not seen Grant at all, um, and Aaron's. For one thing, we've talked about we want that natural width on the right hand side. I think we we all sort of agree on that. Um, particularly, if you, but Aaron's is a left footer. You know, it's so if you're playing him on the right, you've got another inverted player. So unless you switch it around, you know, you could rest Karoma by putting Aaron on the left on as as a left footed left winger, and then have an inverted player on the right. But I don't know the. Obviously, Aaron's has, has not neither neither player has really been in, uh, much involved in preseason, uh, or I don't think either of them have been involved at all. In fact, so where, how do you see them going, Dave? And, and who would you have on the right as well as a, as as a follow up? Um, I think I think Aaron's has got to take every single chance he gets because he he's not shown anything today. And he's been hideously unlucky with injuries in his career today. It, like it's not too dramatic to say if he wants to be a championship level footballer for the rest of his career, this is a really important season for him. Um, I, I think he could do some cover on the left, but whether he will or not, I don't know. I think Danny Grant possibly goes out on loan if I was a betting man before the end of the transfer window, just because I think that. He came in, he got injured, he's had another injury, he's not featured at all in pre-season. He, he's not a forgotten man by any stretch, but I think he really needs to go out and play some football and try and come back to Huddersfield Town with some miles on his legs and asking a question of his manager because he's not at the moment. I think Aaron Rowe is interesting and he was really exciting. And I think for me, I would run with Rowan Thomas uh, to start with on that side, because I too would play Holmes in midfield. I don't think Corbran will. I think Corbran will play Holmes yeah, on the right. <laughs> but I would run with with Rowan Thomas. I think Rowe is, Rowe is really exciting because he's got loads and loads of confidence and loads and loads of pace. And I think Thomas is exciting because me, me and you really like this young man, Steve. Let's, let's be honest. And the reason we really like him is because we have... In all the games we've had, sort town games we've done behind closed doors, you notice certain things. And the thing about Sorba Thomas is, even when he's not in the squad, he's always there on a match day. He's always talking to coaches. He's always watching the warm ups. And he's not watching the warm ups with his hands in his pockets, feeling sorry for himself. He's studying what they're doing. He's, he's, uh, you know, you, there's a young man with an attitude there that he really wants to be a professional. Yeah, he really wants to be a professional footballer and he really wants to learn and he really wants to grow. And I will take that from a young footballer any day of the week. He's had a really good pre-season. He's played right, left and as a false 10. He's been all over the place. Which and I think he's probably played more minutes of any outfield player preseason. I think Holmes might be up there with him. But, he was the only one that you know. played the full ninety on at Fleetwood. And I just think that he he said in the interview after, didn't he, Elliot, that he he's, he based his whole preseason philosophy basically around asking, giving giving the manager a headache in his words. And I think that's exactly what he's done because he has looked the player that has taken the opportunity to impress. So. I, I I think I think he could have a bit of a breakout season, um, but he's still going to be Dwayne Holmes on the right, <laughs> regardless of what we say. It's it's difficult as well. I mean, we've we've talked about you know we've not been impressed with Rhodes or or whatever it is in terms of preseason, but honestly, <laughs> really can't stress enough how much not to judge anything on on mm. preseason form. The only time I've ever seen, you know, Diakabi was fantastic in preseason in 2019. Mm. Um, I think the only time we've seen a player who who has sort of come from nowhere and we've all gone, oh wow, and then he's continued that into the season was O'Brien. Um and and vice versa as well. There's been players that we've seen have stinkers in preseason that have then been great. So I think Sunday will be really interesting because it's a 
it's sort of a a nice not nice but it's a it's a midpoint between a friendly and a championship game in a way you know mm. playing a competitive game against league one opposition um what can we expect from sheffield wednesday first of all elliot because I think their problems are very well documented. They've had a, a lot of rebuilding the squad to do without any means to do it and a transfer embargo on them. How are they looking coming into this game? The positivity around Hills was probably the best it's been for about 18 months at this given point, just because of the transfer activity that has gone in the last week. It was a typically slow start to the window. Um, once the embargo got lifted, though, things have accelerated. Lewis Wingen, Bailey Peacock, Farrell came into the club yesterday on Tuesday, which are two really, really good signings for any League One club, um, particularly Lewis Wing in the fact that I think... I, I'm, I'm Do you know what? If we're talking about goal screaming fillers that Huddersfield could have done with, Lewis Wing would have <laughs> yeah, been yeah, absolutely yeah. perfect. Yeah. And I'm a bit surprised, to be honest, that a championship club hasn't come and snapped Agreed. him up because he, he did, re- he did really, for, I was about to say, did really mm. well at Rotherham last season as well. Um, so I'm really shocked that you know he would have fit Huddersfield perfectly in that that extra midfield role. But um, you know he's he's gone to Sheffield Wednesday in League One. Um, so he's a really good signing. Peacock Farrell, they needed a goalkeeper, so that's good too there. Um, and then the rest have been more sort of up-and-coming players. Shadipo on loan from QPR, who scored 11 for Oxford last season. Jaden Brown, of course, from Huddersfield Town at left-back, um, who might well make his debut down that hand side against Huddersfield. So I think there's a, a bit of a feel-good factor just because it's been a good week. Jack Hunt as well, I forgot to mention, he was back at the club, another former Huddersfield player. Mm. Um, it's been a good week to 10 days, and I expect there might be at least one, if not two, new faces coming through the door again before the game on Sunday um, did the story this morning that George Byers is very close to a move from Swansea City so he, he'll probably be in the squad if that gets done beforehand so I, I think it'll be interesting I think Darren Moore's trying to set in a mentality at, at Sheffield Wednesday that he's trying to almost reboot the club so I don't think there's any chance of mm-hmm. him you know seeing this as a game that he doesn't want I think he, he'll want to go out and send a message and build some momentum for the new season so any suggestion that Wednesday will you know not really care about this fixture and look for the league I don't think that will be the case at all and obviously it'll be the first game that fans have been back in Hillsborough for 18 months as well yeah much like a banana Dave it's a potential banana skin Um, (laughs) but it'd be great to see uh, it's it's a banana not the thing inside the skin so it's not really like it is it a banana is the whole thing but it's I mean if you eat the banana You've got the you don't skin eat left. The skin. Yeah, exactly. So the banana is a potential banana skin. Anyway. If, if you say so. <laughs> look, your skin is part of your body, right? And therefore right. and therefore yeah. the Therefore if Stephen eats you. Yeah, but I leave your skin. Right. Anyway, this has gone in a weird direction. But... <laughs> My skin isn't me though. I don't get it. Ah, never mind. I don't think you meant to. <sighs> Look, it was just a stupid joke, and now we've ended up talking about me eating your skin. Right, Dave. again, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, I, I well, to go back to what I think was your original point, I think it is a bit of a banana skin. <laughs> um, I think Lewis Wing is an insanely good signing for a League One side. I was I was raving about him last year, and like everybody else, I can't. I can't believe a championship side didn't didn't have a go for him. I think Sheffield Wednesday. What's really interesting is they've they've addressed first team problems. They're not dealing with. They've had big squad issues, but they're they're having to really enhance the quality of that first team. And yeah, it's a difficult fixture because I think the fans being back in as well is going to be a factor. I think it's going to be a big factor actually because I think you forget there's footballers are human and they've even with the pre-season games it's not the same as having a decent sized crowd in a decent ground with and uh, you know people I know people who are chewing at the bit to get to a game they cannot wait to get to a game so I think that's a factor so I think it's a tough game very very tough game but what I would say is I think town defensively are abs- are pretty rock solid, you know, which is not something we could say last season. They conceded the most in the division. You would back them to to be a hell of a lot better this season. And you wonder if it's going to be quite a, well, to, be, to put it mildly, you wonder if it might actually be a bit of a crap game, <laughs> a bit of a stodgy... So glad I'm there on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Town traditionally, I mean, last season they took that that first game against Rochdale and the first couple of games, the the uh, Norwich game and the I forget who else it was they played Brentford. 
they took some time to get going and they've been historical slow starters. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were a bit stodgy from the off. Um, but the important thing with that game, I think for town, just one way or another, just try and win it. They've won five EFL Cup games in the last decade. It's an important season this season. They have plugged gaps they need to plug. They just need to get a win as early as possible because they've got a tough start in the league. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that this is an EFL Cup game. They just need to get a win early doors, I think. Yes. All of their last seven Cup games, they've, they've lost down. Um, so mm. it'd be last win was uh, against Birmingham in, in February 2018 in the FA Cup. So it'd be nice to get a Cup, a cup win for a start. But you're right. I mean, the... <sighs> Those fixtures, Derby, I think, I know it's away, but probably if you're going to play anyone on the opening day and you could pick off a list, it would have been mm. Derby. They, they've they've got a lot of issues off the pitch. But then after that, it's, you know, it's Fulham. Um, it's the first home game. They've just come down. I think you and I both tipped them to go back up this year, Dave. Uh, yep. Preston, uh, who knows? You know, that they've had a... Preston, a, I've recruited well, mate. They've yeah. recruited well. I, I think Preston could have a decent, fairly decent season this year. And Preston, defensively, are... I mean, it's like the Lander Giants. <laughs> so how Jordan Rose gets anything there, I don't know. Sheffield United, Reading, Stoke—they're all—they're all teams you would expect. Not a nice start, the... that is it? It's no, no, it's not at all. And this is the problem because it's—you know—we've we, run through the positions, but we haven't really talked about maybe the most important and intriguing one, which is Carlos Corbran himself. Because the end of last season, I think it's fair to say, I think the fans stuck up for Carlos a lot last season and a lot of the sort of the blame for their problems throughout most of the season was put at the door of the recruitment team and put the t- the, the 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 door of the board um for not having given him a squad to work with um and I think but I think there towards the end of the season that did turn you know after the Norwich game the Blackburn game um the fans were suddenly on his back again. And, and you know, I wrote a piece after that Blackburn game questioning his position and saying it was going to be, a, you know, that he had to do better for a start and that it was going to be a big test of Towns' resolve. And I don't think that has particularly changed. I think it feels a lot, and I think he's a much better, you know, um, got a much better chance than Jan Siva of making a go of it. Don't get me wrong on that. But I think he's in a similar position in that I think the fans have said, look, OK, we'll give him a chance. But if things go badly wrong in those first sort of two, three, four games, it could get sour very quickly, Dave. Yeah, um, we talked a lot about Carlos Corbran last season. I think he's had a full season in the championship now. He has made a lot of mistakes. I've, I've talked a couple of times on here about the sort of extreme nature of his management where it would lurch from from one extreme to the other. That really needs to be cut out this season. The, the excuses around the squad, I think, are, are not totally gone because I think we've just talked through it and we've said it's down on quality in certain areas. But I think you can't afford to blow up half the first team with an injury crisis again because... It doesn't happen at every club, so you've got to look at why it happened last season. Obviously, the, I think the he, calendar didn't help, but yeah. No, the calendar didn't help, but you've got to go back to, he picked the team to lose 2-0 at Bournemouth that lost 5-0 and got totally outplayed. So then he didn't change the team for seven or eight games and he, he was wasn't five. making any subs yeah. till after like, you know, 70 minutes the 70, so. 75th yeah. minute. and. As a result, we got into January, February and half of them get injured and about half of what was left, as we now know, like Pippa, etc., were playing through injuries and playing with injections, etc., which is never a good position. So I I just feel with Carlos Corbin that a lot of people have defended him to this point, and I think validly so. You can you you see in flashes and you've seen certain things he's done that I think as a fan you can look at that and see that as very, very positive things. But I think there's also been a couple of black holes that he's fallen into that he can't afford to now. It's it's a really tough start, but town can't afford to start badly regardless. So it's it's pressure there there's pressure there right from the off i think yeah it's a it's a you just hope they got to a good start don't you elliot because you know the positive is 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 that if they do do well in those first few games then they've probably got through their hardest bit with with points on the board i think 
I think if they get through those first sort of half a dozen games with, with 10 points on the board, they should be very happy with that, to be honest, given the standard of opposition. Um, I think even probably sort of nine, eight or nine would not be a disaster. But, you know, if they if they don't pick up a few soon, the the, the pressure will be on and it's a, a big test for them, isn't it, Elliot? Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing that perhaps is in their favour is you probably do want to play the recently relegated clubs earlier in the season, just like you wouldn't want to play the newly promoted ones on the opening week weekend just because they're still trying to find out what system they're going to play you know you look all three clubs are under new management so they're still trying to find where they're at with Valishmail, uh Jukanovic and uh, Marco Silva of course so you know also the transfer window is still going to be open so Fulham for example you know is is Anguissa going to play any role is Seri going to play any role these players are still lingering at the club it's not settled it's not going to be settled till the window shut so that is the the, the, the the slight silver lining I can try and offer in the fact that although these are really tricky games the fact that you know these teams won't be bedded in and you know the new the recent relegated sides tend to grow stronger in the the winter months and moving forward rather than the early um season so you could see a few upsets and to be fair i, I I'm not sure how... I think Fulham could be very similar to Watford last season in the fact that I don't think they'll start particularly brilliantly, but might grow stronger as the season goes on because it's a good squad. But I'm not... Of the three relegated sides, Fulham are the one I would want to play the most at the moment. Uh, And finally, just a a quick prediction, and it's, you know, predictions are a mugs game, but where do you think Town are going to finish this season? I'll go to you first, Elliot. Um... I don't want to be too harsh, but I worry about goals big time. I think defensively they will be better, but when you consider that the fact that they conceded the most in the league last season and they don't really score goals, it's not exactly a brilliant recipe for success. So I think about 19th, to be honest, 20th. is is I don't think they will go down, but I think it might be quite tight. Yeah. Dave? Um, I think when you look at Corbyn's management and the extremes he deals with, I can only see it being they're either going to push for the playoff places or be right down there amongst the the bottom five. I just, I think what Town need is a mid-table season and I don't think they've got a mid-table manager. I think he's a boom and bust manager. It's just, predictions are so hard. I I know it's a complete Mm. cop-out, but... I think once once I've seen them play twice. Are we going to allow this? I think you, are, we, are we going to allow him to? <laughs> no, I think this is a politician's I mean, answer. This. Well, like Elliot, you've done like championship predictions before, and I think when you talk to like every fan of every club, every club they always say we're either going to like every mm. fans of every club will either say they're going to finish second or first, or they'll say, "Oh yeah, we'll be twentieth. Like no one ever I, says we're going to finish ninth. <laughs> Do I don't. I mean? We're thing, in store for a lovely fourteenth place finish this season. Yeah. The thing I know for absolute definite is that Town aren't going to be the highest. They're not going to concede the most goals in that division. And is that going to be enough to take them over the line to whatever their stated goal is? Because I think we're all agreed we we just can't see them scoring enough goals to be a you know a really competitive side unless something major happens before the end of the window. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I've been saying sixteenth all summer and. <laughs> That's that's kind of where I am with I, it. I think it takes do you 16th think, now. I was going to say, I think they'd take 16 right now if you offered I it def- to I, def- I definitely think they would. I think the club probably would. I don't think the fans would. <laughs> I, no. think, I think the fans want them to finish. I don't think the fans are unrealistic from people I've spoken to. I don't think anyone is even really expecting a top half. But I think I think the fans would quite like, like you said, Dave, quite like, like to see them finish 13th or 14th or... You know. I think the thing of the thing about Corbyn's management is he's got to find a way to just win two one on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Instead of it always being like some mega run of bad results or some amazing run of positive results or some four nil loss or some four nil win. It's just about finding that bit more of an average that you can stick to. Yeah, agreed. Fantastic. We'll wrap it up there. We've taken up enough of your time. Thank you for joining us, Elliot. Uh, and uh, thank you, Dave, as well. Your book, Silver Linings. See, this is where it was, ah, Elliot. There we go. There we go. Full, full circle. <laughs> your book, Silver Linings, uh, History of, uh, of England, the England national team under Bobby Robson, has gone to a second print. Congratulations on that. Where can people get it? Uh, you can get it from all good and all bad, as they say. It's in from now until Christmas. It will be on a table in all major WH Smiths in a prominent position, I'm told. Uh, and yeah, you, you, obviously most people buy it from Amazon, but there are other websites that pay their taxes. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> 
Right. Uh, well, if I have my way, I will be uh, back with you for the start of the season. I won't be doing the League Cup game uh, either way, uh, but uh, but we'll see how that goes. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. Goodbye. Who's to be? Who's to be?